Whether it's horror, romance, comedy, or action, you probably love movies in some form or another. The thing is, movies are incredibly interesting in terms of what goes into the plot, some of the choices that the actors make, as well as just some of the thematic devices used throughout the course of the entire movie. So let's talk about it. Hi, I'm Maggie, and you're listening to Getting Geeky. Pulp Fiction, directed by Quentin Tarantino, tells the story of all of these different characters and how their lives intersect by means of robbery, violence, murder, drugs, and religion. Set in Los Angeles, California, two hitmen, two robbers, a gangster, an actress, a boxer and his partner, and a variety of other police officers, store owners, and drug dealers weave their lives together in the most unlikely of circumstances and still manage to leave questions unanswered even if they're gone in one way or another. The movie received a 92% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and an 8.9 out of 10 on IMDb. It has a runtime of 2 hours and 34 minutes. Before I even talk about the movie itself, can we just talk about that cast? Like starring John Travolta, Samuel Jackson, Bruce Willis, Uma Thurman, and just all of these other actors that are heavily involved in like major series. And like even some of the minor characters are like pretty high profile actors and it's just all of them work together so incredibly well to tell an incredibly complex story. I love it. I love it. I don't think anybody else could have done that quite like they did. Like just, it was art. Now obviously the idea of telling a story in different sections or chapters or parts or whatever you want to call it isn't new, right? Like we see that in books all the time where the author decides to split up the story in one way or another typically with like their own separate titles but I don't know if I've ever really seen that done this well in a movie before especially since this was such a fascinating way to do it there were seven of these different segments of the movie that first of all were not in chronological order and at some point it's really hard to see exactly how they all connect to each other until you like get to the end so the first chapter or section the prologue the diner was before the beginning credits at a coffee shop or a diner between pumpkin and honey buddy who are upgrading from robbing liquor stores to robbing restaurants and right as they are starting to rob this diner it cut off and i honestly kind of forgot about it by the end of the movie and just didn't realize how important it was until that point, which was absolutely fascinating. The prelude to Vincent Vega and Marcellus Wallace's wife was the second section. And this is where I got confused the first time because it had no obvious connections to the prelude. But it was really cool in and of itself just because of the parts of the story that they start to establish right then and there with rumors and levels of intimacy and exactly what warrants being thrown out of a window. And then even developing Jules and Vincent's relationship with how Vincent was out of the country and talking about how they treat drugs and hamburgers to wildly different things over in Amsterdam before they end up going into the house of, or the apartment of these people who 
have the case that they're looking for for Marcellus Wallace. And as they're going in, they're also talking about like how Anton got thrown out of this window because he supposedly gave Marcellus's wife this foot massage, which didn't make sense. And they recognized the fact that it didn't make sense. But that's where that those levels of intimacy came in and what really means what in terms of a relationship, which is also why Vincent was absolutely terrified because Marcellus was having him take his wife out to dinner. There's another cut as we go into the third section, which is Vincent Vega and Marcellus Wallace's wife, and they go into a bar wearing a completely different set of outfits than they were in in the first section. But in the bar itself, we meet the boxer, who's a pretty prevalent character later on, but we don't see Marcellus's face. After they sort out their business, we just follow Vincent. We stop following Jules at this point. We're just following John Travolta's character, who goes and buys drugs before going off to see Marcellus's wife and take care of her for the evening. It was established previously that she was an actress who did a pilot for a TV show, which is just the first episode that sort of pitches the TV show to an audience, but it didn't get picked up. And we kind of see that reflected as she's a little bit not necessarily ashamed, but you can tell that it rubs on her a little bit that it wasn't picked up, even though she claims that her character makes terrible jokes. So they go out to dinner, and she takes him dancing at this kind of cheesy themed restaurant, and he doesn't want to cooperate because he is terrified of her husband. But eventually he gives in, and he dances with her, and they win the dance contest and go home when she finds the drugs in his jacket and ends up ODing on them. So Vincent has to go to the same drug dealer as before to try and bring her back to life because he is so terrified that Marcellus is just going to kill him if he figures out that he got his wife killed. So she gets an adrenaline shot to the heart and she does live. But when she goes back home, they both sort of level with how they're both terrified of her husband and how they'll never talk about it again. The fourth chapter, again, has no previous connections to anywhere that we can tell in the first moment and it's probably the shortest section next to the prologue but the only connection that it actually has that we figure out is that it tells us about the boxer whose name is butch and we find out about his family his grandfather and his father and more about his past and how he ended up with this watch so this fourth section which was called prelude to the gold watch is a flashback and he's watching cartoons and he meets this fellow prisoner of war who had known his father and knew the whole gruesome story behind this watch but it's a flashback that leads into the fifth section the gold watch this section was by far the most violent and disturbing part of the movie it's also the longest part of the movie and a lot happens when we meet butch he's Told that he's supposed to lose this boxing match and then we're kind of left with okay so who is this guy is his role even really that important or what's going on with him and then he wins the match but not only does he win the, the match he accidentally kills the guy and didn't even know until he jumped out a window got in a cab and the cab driver figured out that it was him and asked him what it felt like to kill someone. He just runs and goes to his partner, Fabian, who is 
my favorite character in the entire movie. She was very sweet, if a bit forgetful, but she just she seems to treat him well despite the fact that his life is so violent. And he is even a little bit violent when he, you know, throws a television set at her. It does not hit her. But she did forget his watch, which was what the previous flashback was for. And he gets so upset about it because he has to have the watch. So instead of going and getting breakfast with her, he has to go back to his apartment where there could be gangsters to try and get this watch back. And when he gets to his apartment, there's he checks around, there's nobody there, and then he goes, he finds the watch, and when he goes into his kitchen, he sees this giant weapon on the counter. Why? Why would you leave a weapon that size in plain view on a kitchen counter in the guy's apartment who you're supposed to hit? And then Vincent walks out of the bathroom and gets killed by his own weapon. But you know what? I will... I will give Butch credit. He did wipe his fingerprints down, which was probably one of the smartest things that happened in that entire movie. But then he just leaves and goes and gets in his car. And this was more of a personal thing, and maybe it's just the fact that I have been trained to do this my entire life. But he does not even glance in his back seat to see if somebody had gotten in while he was not in the car. And maybe, maybe it's just me. But if you are wanted for murder, maybe check the back seat of your car to make sure that nobody's gonna ambush you and kill you while you're driving. Nobody was in the back seat of the car, but the whole like two minutes of him driving up until he hits Marcellus, I was freaking out a little bit because I thought somebody was gonna pop out of the back seat just because he didn't even like kind of look in the back seat. He didn't like look around his shoulder, he didn't check in the window, he didn't do anything. But then again, uh, he loses the car after he hits Marcellus and then gets in a car accident, but then Marcellus tries to shoot him and they're in this whole fight where they're running from each other and they end up in the store and so much happened in that in that store so much happened and uh, this cop comes in which he was a dirty cop first of all and he got exactly what he deserved i'm just gonna say it he got exactly what he deserved but they get tied up in this basement and an incredibly horrifying and violent scene happens and eventually butch gets free and has to go back and rescue Marcellus. And when he gets to the ground floor of the store, he goes to leave, but then he decides against it, picks up a hammer, sees a baseball bat, picks up the baseball bat, sees a chainsaw, sets down the chainsaw because he sees a sword. Best scene in the entire movie, right there. Just seeing him transfer from a decent weapon to a better weapon, to an even better weapon, to an actual sword was so funny and just absolutely incredible considering everything that was going on in the rest of that scene but he does he goes back down into the basement and rescues marcellus from this cop and then marcellus lets him off the hook for winning the match and just tells him to get out of la which was a much more peaceful ending to that conflict than was expected from him having a hit out on him for accidentally committing a murder. The last two sections are much less eventful. The Bonnie situation actually takes us back to closer to the beginning of the movie, and it would have been directly after the prelude to Vincent Vega and Marcellus Wallace's wife, where they pick up in this apartment with the case and 
these guys that they're trying to get information from and it ends up resolving a lot of questions mostly um, why there was a change of clothes with Jules and Vincent and just where they ended up between that apartment and the bar where they eventually meet Marcellus there was a lot of blood in this scene and I say that coming off of the gold watch part so it was definitely it was a lot because they, they took the guy with him he accidentally gets shot there's some talk of miracles and they have to take him to somebody's house just to get off the street which the guy was a man named Jimmy he was actually played by Quentin Tarantino which it's always really cool when directors get to play a part in their own movie I'm a big fan of that but then they have to take care of this body. They have to make sure that the car is able to be out on the road without them getting pulled over by the cops. And they have to call in this even bigger gangster named The Wolf. And it's not super explained as to who he is other than he is incredibly powerful and Jules looks up to him. And they take the car, they take the, they take the car somewhere and they, they get rid of this body. And then Jules and Vincent have to take a cab to go and meet Marcellus. But before they go and do that, they end up going to the diner. The diner where the whole movie started. The epilogue picks up during the prologue. I actually think it's before the prologue, but it's from a different perspective. But you still know it's about to happen. This scene gets a little bit more philosophical because during, during the previous scene when they were in the apartment, they get shot at by one of the guys in the apartment and every single bullet misses and Jules thinks it's an act of God. And while he, were, while he was in the apartment, he quotes a Bible verse to the men there. Supposedly it's Ezekiel 25, 17, which the quote goes, the path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the iniquities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who would attempt to poison and destroy my brothers. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. This is not the actual Bible verse. It is similar, but it's a lot longer. The actual Bible verse, according to the New Living Translations of the Bible, is I will execute terrible vengeance against them to punish them for what they have done. And when I have inflicted my vengeance, they will know that I am the Lord. Which again, definitely has a lot to do with that vengeance clause that was in the verse that Jules says, but just slightly different. And the verse comes up a second time when he's talking to Ringo, or Pumpkin when he's trying to commit this robbery. He uses it to persuade him to stop actually committing the robbery and says it's of his own good grace because he feels like he's finally figured out exactly what role Jules plays in this verse and how everybody else around him plays into it as well. And he just decides that he's going to retire. Vincent doesn't feel the same way about any of this and fights him on it pretty much the whole time and says that if he's just gonna like travel he's gonna be a bum like what's the point but you know what Jules was not the one of them that died on screen so maybe it was an act of God maybe he really was trying to tell them something there and it was Vince's own fault that he didn't listen and ended up being the only one of them that was really connected between all of these scenes 
Vince isn't exactly like the only link between all of these different scenes. We definitely see quite a few overlaps, but he does seem to be the one that is in every single scene in some way or another. But the way that most of it is sheer coincidence is so good. It was a matter of timing and placement and relationship building and seeing how all of these characters managed to weave their lives together without ever actually weaving their lives together. Still, Vincent was, again, the one common thread between every last one of these scenes, but he still wasn't like an overwhelming protagonist. We see other characters like get their spotlight in one way or another, and he will just be like a background character, but he's still there, which is just really interesting. Would I recommend this movie? Yes. This is definitely one of those movies that you have to watch at least once in your life. Before you watch it though, check the warnings on it. This is an incredibly violent movie and it showcases a lot of sensitive language and sensitive issues and it gets graphic at times. But at the same time, it is a fascinating use of storytelling with that non-linear point of view and is just 100% worth the watch. It is available to watch on HBO Max with a subscription, or it is available for rent on YouTube and a variety of other platforms. Want to get involved? If you want to help me pick what could be next week's movie, go ahead and fill out the Google form that's linked in the bio of both my Instagram, at getting underscore geeky, and my Twitter, at getting underscore geek. Listen in the same time next week. See you later.